This episode is brought to you by Carvana. Let's say you need a new car. Well, a new used car. Uh, now this is my groove car. A you car. Now, what if you could seal the deal and order it to your door 100% online? Buyer's remorse, no such thing. Take a week to love it or return it. Sound good? Carvana, they'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. Visit Carvana.com or download the app. Uh, Carrie Lake was on uh, with Larry Kudlow the other night, and uh, it's a kind of interesting situation to listen to what's happening in Arizona. It's very, very different from what's happening here in uh, New York, of course, and they have an entirely different situation because basically there's about 500,000 ballots that were dropped off the polling places and drop boxes, and it's these 500 or almost 600,000 ballots that still are yet to be fully counted because of a verification process that is very lengthy. Uh, basically, they take the thing and they look at the signatures and they double verify it with different things and then you have different people who look at it so that can take a number of days it shouldn't but it does and Carol Lake is talking about it with Larry Kudlow let's listen in sorry that there's over 600,000 uncounted ballots left in Arizona the vast majority of which probably go Republican what can you tell us about this little scam uh, well, they count ballots real slow here in Arizona, and <laughs> we're going <laughs> to fix that. Yes, we feel very confident. We know we're going to win, and uh, the question is how big will the margin be, the, the victory margin? You know, of those, I'm looking at my, my sheet here with all of the, the data, and over 600,000 left to be counted, and of those, close to 400,000 are mail-in ballots that people showed up at the polls on Election Day to hand-deliver. And we believe, and, and pretty much everyone believes, that if you did that, you don't trust the, the drop boxes and you don't trust putting it in the mailbox, and that's why you did it. And those are going to be a reliable, strong Republican vote. The question is, do we get 52 or 53 percent of that, or are we going to get closer to 80 percent? Anything's possible with that vote. And we are going to win no matter what. The question is, will Blake win? And I think that there's a real good chance that Blake could win. Now, the election, the ballots they're counting right now, Larry, are ballots that were mailed in and arrived before Election Day. They're tending to go a little bit more Democrat or fall 50-50. So we're waiting for this big tranche of votes to be counted, and they are dragging their feet to count them in Maricopa County. The Senate race in Arizona is between uh, Kelly and Masters. Most media outlets are saying it's pretty much done. Um, the governorship is still pretty much open because it's such a small volume of percentage votes from machine votes in the big cities. So you're going to the small votes, which are coming from more rural communities, more isolated areas. You know, Arizona is a wide open place. So you have a lot of people in different areas. They prefer some to mail in their ballots. Some prefer to physically hand in their ballots. Some may take, you know, and they, they go in and they, they bring it to drop boxes and these located in various different places. And it's those, those, those vast distances that cause a lot of these delays that we're seeing right now. And of course, that's just how it is, how it works there for them. So according to um, Carrie Lake, who's running for governor under the Republican ticket, Everything is still very much in play, and everything is still very much in motion. Of course it is. 
for her, there's only a 20,000 vote difference between her opponent and a half a million or more, or closer to 600,000 votes uh, out there. However, for uh, the Senate candidate, it may be a little more difficult because I think it's like 46 to 51 percent, 46 percent for Masters, 51 percent for uh, Kelly. But you never know. It is Arizona and it is Maricopa County. Oh, boy. Still in play. Now, we're expecting some numbers to be released tonight, and they could go either way. We could see a boost or we could go down a little. And I am I'm hoping that the propagandists out there and the fake news don't try to call it, because we need to wait until these this big tranche of numbers is released in the coming days. Mm. And so I think he could see his numbers go down a little bit, but I believe he will go way up. And there's a good shot he could win this. So mm. I don't think they'll call it. Hopefully they'll be responsible. So here is something that I've been looking at very closely. And this, of course, is the criticism that has been coming out. You have groups bashing Donald Trump very heavily. You have groups bashing other members of the Republican Party. You've got people hitting away at Dickless Cheney. You got, you know, incredibly angry people coming out against the rhinos. And you have all of these movements, but yet none of them are actually being said by the people themselves. Mostly it's tweets, mostly it's posts, mostly it's this, mostly it's that. A lot of it is twisted. A lot of it is very, very clearly manipulated to make people fight amongst themselves. And it's not just on the Republican side. It's also happening on the Democrat side. So there are third or fourth or fifth parties involved in this. Hey, there's a war going on in Ukraine. You got China acting up. You've got Iran acting weird and wanting a new nuclear deal. You have disinformation groups from different countries around the world that would love nothing more than that. And then further on in places like Arizona and Texas and New Mexico, you've got the Mexican cartels trying to move people and narcotics across the border. And when there's distractions politically, it's very hard for law enforcement to move because they're keeping an eye on fellow Americans and trying to see if anybody's trying to do something that isn't exactly kosher, right? So in that note, we again go back to Larry Kudlow and uh, Carrie Lake. It is from a show they're on. I don't know what network. I think it's Fox Business. Forgive me, I'm blind. So, you know, um, I'm just listening to the audio here. And uh, they talk about the potential for what the problems are when you have this kind of criticism and how it doesn't help the country or its leadership to be divided, even among different political parties. There needs to be some kind of unity. People need to get their acts together because division only leads to, well, nothing like multiplication. In the Wall Street Journal, the editorial side of the Wall Street Journal, there were no fewer than five anti-Trump hammering Donald Trump, two editorials and three opinion papers. And in the New York Post, which is editorially quite conservative, as you may know, and is widely read, um, the front cover was pounding on Trump, the editorials were pounding on Trump. Carrie Lake, why is this? 
I mean, I don't, this was, none of these guys, I had all these Senate people on, including, including uh, uh, Blake, several times, by the way. The guy got better every time he was on. They weren't talking about the election <laughs> results of 2020. They are talking about inflation. They are talking about crime. They are talking about the border. They are talking about drugs. That's right. My point is, why are people blaming Donald Trump? And by the by, Trump won many of these races, and he may win a couple more. Pennsylvania didn't work, but a lot of others did. I don't get this, Carrie. You see what I'm saying? Why is well, everyone yeah. just slamming Donald Trump uh, yesterday and especially today? It's, it's hard to believe, but there are still Republicans who don't want him to run again. I would be, I would be thrilled if he runs again. I hope he does. We need him to get in and clean up what Joe Biden has screwed up. But nobody wanted to talk about the 2020 election because the fake news made us feel terrible if we did talk about it. I can tell you, Larry, that I was on the campaign trail for 525 days. That's what Arizonans are talking about. And look what happens when we don't address problems with our elections. We end up with another election that's not run well. Well, so we're going to deal with that. I think they want to have a little war within the Republican Party. I don't think that's smart. We've got great candidates. Ron DeSantis is great. Christy Noem is great. We've got a strong Governor Yunkin. We're going to have a strong Kerry Lake. And we have an incredible President Donald J. Trump. I hope he runs again. There's a lot of years for everybody else to run. We'll see what happens. But I'm not going to bash President Trump. He was one of the greatest presidents we ever saw. And I think um, maybe they're hoping he doesn't run and they want to see somebody else run. I, I'm a big believer that President Trump is the leader we need right now. Well, it's just an odd story. Um, as you know, I worked for Trump for three years. I mean, it's just a very odd story. Nobody wants to mention his accomplishments his achievements, how well he managed the economy, how well he managed energy independence and foreign policy. They're all throwing that out the window. And, okay, Pennsylvania was not the best moment. I get that. Trump himself gets that. But I'm just saying, why yeah. all of a sudden is everyone pounding the poor guy to death? I mean, he did a lot of good things for this I country. I'll tell you why they're doing it, because he's probably going to announce he's running and some people don't want him to, but I don't think that's going to stop him. He did amazing things for this country. His America First policies had every group of citizens doing better. Didn't matter what your skin color was, didn't matter what your zip code was. We were riding high under President Trump. The country was in better shape. He, he ended wars. He didn't start any wars. He had brought peace to the Middle East. Uh, our 401ks were looking pretty good. And if you look at your retirement savings right now, I talked to many retirees who said, Carrie, I just retired. I might have to go back to work. My retirement savings has shriveled up. It's dried up under Joe Biden. And we need somebody to get us out of the jam we're in. President Trump did it once before. I think he would be a great candidate. We'll see what happens in 24. Mm. Who knows? But all I know is we need a solid person to take the place of Joe Biden because we can't handle much more of that guy. So remember I was telling you I was listening to... Uh... Bernie Instead and WBC, I do it all the time. A couple of days ago, um, now, actually, it was, I think, Thursday. Was it Friday? I think it was Thursday. Could have been Friday. Could have been Wednesday. Who knows what day it was? I don't know. Hey, we got a president that doesn't even know what day of the month it is. So why should I be so careful to knowing when exactly this thing was broadcast? But Lee Zeldin was on with uh, Sid Rosenberg, I do know that. And uh, he gave probably the only interview, or maybe one of the few interviews that anybody's ever heard from him, 
post-election after his loss. He does admit his loss. Remember how I said uh, in one of my earlier posts that, you know, he's going to wait until all the ballots are counted. Well, pretty much he did. And, uh, in fact, he actually did uh, as far as the machine ballots were counted. And uh, here's what he had to say with uh, Sid Rosenberg uh, on WABC. This audio is courtesy of uh, a recording I made uh, off air and uh, you know, broadcast through the air. It's uh, considered uh, uh, basically just uh, nothing for profit here. I don't have any ads on my podcast. Um, and uh, it's just to uh, let people who are like me blind be able to listen in. Sometimes it's hard to find these things online. And uh, I don't see a lot of articles or sounds or recordings or information about what Lee Zeldin is talking about. So here's Lee Zeldin with Sid Rosenberg, edited and uh, more directed to the point. Here you go. Ended up with uh, almost three million votes. I mean, it's it's been wow. 52 years since the last time a GOP candidate in the state uh, has gotten the, these many votes. And it's a it's a this isn't about me. It's about what we're talking about. Uh, the issues that uh, we were debating every single day. The effort of thousands of people around the street who were on social media and they were emailing and texting and you know, as you are on the radio. Uh, this was certainly very much a team effort, and this team put up a strong showing. You're right. It's been since Rockefeller all the way back. Even Pataki didn't get that many votes when he won 16 years ago. So once again, a testament to the campaign you ran and New Yorkers who really did believe in you. You know, I'm hearing people now, Lee, come back and say, well, you know, now that I think about it, maybe if he got to abortion quicker, now that I think about it, maybe he should have distanced himself from President Donald Trump. Look, my opinion is as long as there's a D in front of your name in New York, it's very difficult for the Republican to win. I think you ran a perfect race. I don't have any regrets on how you ran it, but I know you're hearing some of these things. Do you have any regrets? Zero. I'm very happy with our message during this campaign. We were focusing on the issues that matter most to New Yorkers, and we weren't uh, distracted in, in trying to get people to change their priorities to focus instead on other issues that they weren't focused on. And I think that our biggest strength uh, from a messaging standpoint was that there was just so much consistency from the, the moment we got to this race, April 8th of 2021, and we were stating exactly what our purpose was, that we want to do our part to save this state, to reverse the the out-migration, all the people leaving understand why it is, why are they hitting their breaking point, and our ideas uh, for how to reverse those attacks on wallets, on safety, on freedom, on our kids' education. So we come into the race, and if you were to ask me then, why are you running, this is what I would state then. And then you know, at any point during the race, right up to the very end, if it was the morning of, the day before, you say, hey, Lee, why are you running? It was the same exact answer. But substantively, you know, this wasn't just some, you know, we need to save our state and that's the end of it. Uh, you know, it was it was understanding why New York leads the entire nation in out-migration and coming with specific proposals. How do we take back our streets? So when we were talking about, 
you know, uh, whether it's reversing, overhauling cashless bail and some of these other pro-criminal laws and removing weak district attorneys who refuse to enforce the law, uh, backing our men and women in blue, the, the dozens of different proposals, for example, to make sure that law-abiding New Yorkers are in charge of New York streets instead of criminals. I mean, we came with specific ideas right. so that people who are supporting us you know, they weren't just out there saying, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm voting for Lee Zeldin because I hate Kathy Hochul. You know, there are people out there who would be able to articulate – many, 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 many people would be able to tell you why they were voting for us, uh, you know, what specifically we stood for. Uh, and, and I thank a whole lot of people for helping to get that message out so that people understood exactly what we stood for. This was not a campaign that was just – you know, based off of anti the other person. Right, which a lot of campaigns are. So just a yes or no will suffice here. And I don't want to move past this guy, but if you had the chance to do if, it over if, again. If the question is whether or not I could get in a Peter Luger's, the answer is still no. <laughs> no, you'll get in now. I, mean, you, I think you don't even realize how popular you are. I mean, people really, they were, they were in mourning yesterday. Lee, I swear to God, that's how much people love you. But uh, one more time, if you had the chance not to take the endorsement from President Trump, yes or no? Would, would you change that? I wouldn't change anything. You wouldn't change anything? Fine. Good answer. No, Perfect. I, don't, Good. I, don't, I, would not, I would not change anything about how we, we ran the campaign, the messages that we were focused on, the, the decision to get in. Nothing. Uh, I'm really happy and yeah. I'm proud of, of the team and also all the candidates. Um, you know, the statewide candidates, we had a great slate. They campaigned hard. And then the, all the candidates out there for Congress and state legislature, uh, it was it was really a, a good team, good message all around. Agree. You know, Sid was kind of playing with uh, Zeldin, trying to get him to criticize Donald Trump, trying to get him to criticize his opponent, other people on his team. It's part of what journalists do. It's not doing a bad thing. It's, it's part of what broadcasters do. We're trying to get, you know, that meat of the story. Trying to find out what made this candidate do this thing this way or that way. Trying to see if it bleeds, it leads. Meaning, uh, will he, you know, slash away at anybody who he feels might have betrayed him. But to Lee Zeldin's credit, you know, the guy's a good guy. He just came out and said basically that he wouldn't change anything. Uh, he wouldn't change uh, what had happened, who had endorsed him. Uh, he would not refuse uh, the endorsement and support by those people who given their support. Hey, he almost won. You know, basically, let's be truthful about it. Had the city of New York not come out and really supported some ballot initiatives down ballot, on the flip side, you know, if you turn over your ballot, there are four ballot questions. And had the city of New York not come out and really pushed on that issue, there probably wouldn't have been that big a turnout. And it was that turnout of young people who were mostly interested in these ballot initiatives that led to the victory by Kathy Hochul. And that's it. So at the end of the day, Kathy Hochul doesn't really owe any of these, you know, fringe groups or other political alliances out there. Who Kathy Hochul owes for her victory is Eric Adams, mayor of New York City. And I think that's very, very interesting how that's going to play out. 
anyway, here's uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, candidate for governor. He, of course, admitted defeat and uh, wishing everybody well and showing his willingness to do things and also his possible job as a busboy or waiter is, uh, you know, an option. <laughs> yeah, he's got better plans, I think. But anyway, that's it for me for now. I'll leave you now with uh, Sid and Lee Zeldin. I'm very proud of the effort of our team. There were thousands of volunteers, tens of thousands, many, many, many tens of thousands of of small dollar donations that came in. Uh, We ran uh, a campaign that was defined on the the substantive positions. Uh, there, There was a clear choice, an option that was placed to voters in New York. Um, As a result, I I feel like voters all across the state, for the first time in a long time, regardless of whatever district you lived in, uh, there was the clearest sense of of purpose and and reason to get involved in the campaign and to show up and vote. Uh, I love our country. I would take a a bullet to defend our country. I'm in my 20th year in the Army, and I uh, I, I love it. My, my service in the military is something that I'm far prouder of than, you know, any other job I'll I'll ever have. Um, and just to see so many people, I mean, to have almost you know three million people showing up and voting for us, I mean, there was no apathy. Um, people, you know, had a renewed. Uh, level of of energy and enthusiasm and participation in the process and and I'm one of those people who just wants everybody to get involved and whether you vote for me or you don't vote for me uh, it's it's not like that I'm not trying to suppress um, people to not show up on November 8th if they don't want to vote for me obviously if you're if you're asking me hey you know I have a choice of two people and you can only allow one of them right. uh, you know to, to show up I mean yeah. listen if you really wanted to get into a you know real Machiavellian view of uh, you know of politics and life and polit- and uh, and these elections it's just a, a very different strategic conversation but I, I love to see people participating and so I as far as the emotion goes we left it all out on a field we truly don't have any regrets. Uh, we ran a campaign that we're that we're proud of, and we're not going anywhere. I mean, we're uh, we have a lot lot of work to do, and I really do hope that while I'm not expecting those controlling Albany, you know, to have some epiphany where all of a sudden the pendulum is just swinging back in January because it's still going to be one party rule. I hope that somewhere in this. They understand the will of the people on any of what we're talking about and start moderating positions on anything because there are a whole lot of people who are are going to leave the state and never look back. And that's a really serious issue. And I know that we did everything in our power during this campaign uh, to change the direction of the state, to save our state. And, again, we're not going anywhere. You certainly did. So wrapping up this uh, great conversation, uh, when we found out the results on Wednesday morning, my wife, Danielle, you know well, she said to me, so what does Lee do next? And I said, you know, I, I don't know what Lee does next. So here he is, Lee Zeldin. What do you do next? 
I'm, I'm going to be getting a job making you fresh coffee every morning. <laughs> it, it would be a privilege. Um, I don't know. I mean, listen, you're a guy who doesn't necessarily need coffee, but it would be my honor. <laughs> You're right. I don't need coffee. You're right about that. But uh, so you're, you're not even sure yet. You, you know, this is just this is all new. You're still you're probably still in the campaign mode in your head. You haven't even considered what to do next yet. Right? I could go be a, I could go be a, a busboy or dishwasher <laughs> at Peter Luger's. That'll get me in the door. That'll get you in the door. There's no doubt. <laughs> 